Welcome back to another edition of Sports Business Secrets. My name is Kevin Tarka. I am the founder of Creation Talent Agency, and I will be releasing a new podcast every single day for an entire year that is specifically designed to share the inevitable challenges of the sports business world and how to overcome them. I'm inviting you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing professional basketball players, traveling the world, and continuously finding ways to battle through the adversity in this competitive industry. The goal is to share as many secrets as I can to help you along your own path to success. Good morning, podcast family. Today, we're talking about the EuroLeague bylaws again. This is part three of the series. If you missed parts one and two, I started them last week. So you can, or actually, it might have been two weeks ago at this point. So you can go back and uh, and listen to parts one and two. But today is all about competitions. And the point of this series is just to teach you a little bit more about the, the ins and outs of, of the actual EuroLeague and the bylaws that they have set. So uh, today is about the competition system and the way that it works. So we are on Chapter 4, Article 18, for those of you keeping track. And the EuroLeague, as a quick refresher, is an international competition. So don't forget that uh, most of the teams play in their domestic leagues as well. Uh, but the main competition of the EuroLeague is split into three phases. The first one's the regular season. Then it's the playoffs. And then it's the infamous Final Four. And so when they go to choose the regular season, uh, after they have all the teams, you can hear more about how they select which teams and which teams have certain licenses in the first two parts. Uh, But after they have those teams, they uh, choose the regular season matchups through a computer drawing system. So uh, it takes into accountability the the arenas, the travel schedule, uh, the, the availability of of when teams can and cannot play with their domestic leagues. And they put it all into the computer system and they pop out uh, this schedule. So it seems pretty easy, but I know uh, from experience, it is very difficult. That was uh, thinking back on uh, my, my, my uh, case study when I did my master's program uh, in uh, through the EuroLeague program back in 2017, 16, yeah, 16, 17. Uh, we had a case study on, on this and it was just an absolute nightmare. Can you imagine trying to schedule between, you know, 18 different countries and their domestic leagues, let alone the availability of the arenas? Because as you know, not many teams overseas own their arenas. So there's all sorts of events going on in there. And anyways, quite a nightmare, but good thing we have computers. So that's how they that's how they figure out the schedule. So those 18 teams play a round-robin format, and each team obviously plays home once, and each team plays away once against their certain uh, specific matchups. So all you mathematicians out there, that means that there are 34 total rounds, 34 total games. So don't forget, that's in addition to their domestic leagues, right? So some of these teams are playing 80-plus games, an NBA-style schedule, except uh, instead of flying, uh, you know, at the very worst across the country from New York to L.A., which doesn't happen very often, obviously, um, these teams are, are flying all over Europe. And, and there's very few games that take only one flight. Uh, so it definitely has a toll on the body. So keep that in mind. Avi Evan from, from Maccabi Tel Aviv talks about it in episode 115, if you want to go back to that interview, about how it's just it's crazy traveling from Tel Aviv uh, you know, the difference between Tel Aviv to uh, you know a bus ride for their domestic league 
that's a big difference between Tel Aviv and and Moscow or Tel Aviv and Milan or Tel Aviv and Barcelona. It's just quite the uh, quite the toll on on the body uh, during during the Euroleague season. So keep that in mind as you start to realize how crazy the travel schedule is. So at the end of the regular season, the top eight teams advance to the next round and they call that round the playoffs. And then the rest of the teams are eliminated from their, the EuroLeague season and it is over. So for the playoffs, they are played in a best of five series. First one to three wins advances to the final four. And the way that's set up is, it, which is always uh, important, is the way that it's the home versus away. So first two games are home for the top seed. Then the second two games are away. And if they need a fifth game, it's back to home for the top seed. So they obviously set it up as one versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. So the high seeds get a, a pretty solid advantage. Um, in a regular season, at least, with home court advantage, obviously in a COVID year with limited or no fans is a bit different, but two home games in a row to start off uh, playing two first of three wins is is super advantageous when you have an arena full of of, of homebound, um, crazy, passionate fans for your club. So the winners, as mentioned, advance to the Final Four, which takes place at a predetermined city in Europe. And it rotates amongst many different cities. So in 2017, it was in Sinan Erdem uh, Dome, which is in Istanbul, which was the first Final Four that, that I ever went to, which was unbelievable. Uh, and then in 2018, I went to the Final Four, which was in Stark Arena in Belgrade, Serbia, one of uh, another one of my favorite cities. And 2019, unfortunately, I did not make it. It was in Vitoria. And then I planned to go last year, uh, but obviously... A world pandemic had different plans for me uh, and for everyone and for the Final Four in general. So um, so this year it is in uh, Cologne, Germany, and uh, hopefully it will take place. Um, at the Final Four, the, the EuroLeague has all sorts of activities and initiatives that, that surround the games. Um, in Istanbul and Belgrade, thinking back on it, they did an unbelievable job with fan involvement, community activities. It's similar to the way that that the NCAA Final Four does things. Uh, it's it's really that well put together. So if you've been to an NCAA Final Four, you understand the, all the fanfare and activities, and you know you you walk along, uh, you know you walk along the street in the in the main city, and they probably have you know tents set up and and, and different shooting machines and different uh, different activities and games for uh, for the fans. So they really do a great job. Um, there's also a bunch of other stipulations in the EuroLeague bylaws that uh, something as as little as you know, teams get 600 tickets allocated to them so they could purchase them for their for their club fans exclusively, but all other all other tickets are allocated on the free market. So in in uh, in perspective, 600 fans that are guaranteed or sorry 600 tickets that are guaranteed for their fans is not a whole lot when you have an arena of 10 or 15 or 20,000 screaming fans that are cheering for their teams. It's very different than having a home uh, home court advantage with 95% of the fans, your fans. Uh, and then in regards to logistics um, of the teams involved, the, the EuroLeague company does it all from game and practice schedules to benches and locker rooms, to uniform colors, to accreditation, to activities and, 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 
press requirements. They, they do it all. It brings me back to my memories of, of my time at the Gazelle Group, which was my first job out of school. It was a sports, sports marketing firm where we produced and managed some early season and postseason college basketball events. So it was, uh, it was all the logistics of event management that you could think of. So that, that's, uh, that's, that's bringing back the good memories. So, um, Anyways, back to the Final Four. So obviously they have the, the Final Four semifinal matchup games, which is usually on a Friday, and they have a day off. And then on Sunday they have the championship game. And something that's interesting um, is they also have their runner-up game, which is a bit strange and definitely brings some pushback from teams, I know, uh, and players. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, who really wants to play for a third-place runner-up game? But for whatever reason, it's still in the mix. It's still in the bylaws. Um, and then there's also a handful of, of rules in regards to uh, a tiebreaker for final standings of the seasons. But I won't bore you with going down the list of that with how to break the tiebreakers, you know, head-to-head matchups and tallying up game scores. But if you're interested, that's in there as well in this part of the EuroLeague bylaws. So that was part three. Hope someone out there is learning something from each one of these volumes. Uh, there's, there's definitely still some time to catch up on EuroLeague action. They're 28 weeks in, which means there are uh, six more in the regular season, if you remember back to 34 rounds. And it's it's actually never been closer in the history of the EuroLeague, which is pretty cool. Not a single team is officially qualified to the playoffs yet because it's so close in the race. And, uh, and actually, Barcelona, I just saw this morning, Barcelona can do it this weekend if they beat Real Madrid uh, at Real Madrid. So if they do that, then they, they, they're guaranteed the first official spot in the playoffs. But right now, if the standings ended today, the top eight are Barcelona, uh, uh, Cheska Moscow, Milano, Bayern Munich, Anadolu Efes, Real Madrid, Fenerbahce, and Zenit. So should be an exciting uh, finish to the season. Appreciate everybody coming by and learning something new today. As always, if you have any questions, hit me with an email. Kevin at creationtalent.com, creation with a K. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling really crazy, you can even share it on social media. As always, if there's a topic you want me to talk about further or a guest you would love to hear on the podcast, just shoot me a message on social media at Kevin Tarka. Thanks again, and I'll see you here tomorrow morning on Sports Business Secrets.